Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Alan Barless, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Combining high design and highest standards of sustainability, Alan Barless's vision has been central to the development of Barless Wedlock's in industry-leading reputation. In 2018, Alan was elevated to the American Institute of Architects College of Fellows for his work and teaching in sustainable design. And over the last 20 years, Barless has built an award-winning full-service firm through a broad and distinguished body of work, including private residences, affordable housing, and sustainable commercial compounds. Alan, welcome to the show. Perfect. Yeah, excited to, to talk. Me too. I'm I'm very excited about this conversation. I've been a big fan of your firm for a long time. I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Um, back when I was up in New York, uh, I used to follow what you guys were doing, and and uh, and even back to the to the uh, to the Cora days. Yes, you were you were, you guys were part of the original founders of Cora. And oh, so, I thought I was going to surprise you with some of that history, but I guess you you know you it. Can, well, I know it, but the, <laughs> but the but the listeners don't know it, so I want to hear the whole story. So starting to uh, become ancient history. Let's let's jump into that conversation. I I want to hear your origin story. So go back beyond Cora. I want to go back to where you discovered architecture. Who inspired you to become an architect? What or who or what inspired you to become an architect? And share that story to where we are now. 
Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, let me lie down on the couch here for a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been uh, accused of that in the past. So. Right. No, I, I, it's great to take time to think about. And, and, you know, a few times you get a chance in life to really think back to where, where it came from, as opposed to just kind of relying on that wellspring of passion that, that we have in this field. I, um, I was, my family's from New England. I was born in Boston and when I was young, my dad was in the army. We moved around a lot and I moved, um, ended up at a pretty young age down in Florida. And I always, I always ascribed that change, that radical early life change from really being a part of like, you know, walks with my mom looking at bricks. I mean, I, I guess I did. I don't quite remember, but you know, she, she, we've been back and she showed me where we used to go for walks and just that kind of attachment to a, a real urban setting, a real sense of place, a real kind of, you know, um, a notion of history and the way humans live in, in the world that Boston is just, you know, does such a great job of, you know, yeah. the, the outskirts and the inner city and, and the places in between. And, and, and I, we would go back every, you know, a few times every year. So I had a connection to that type of world, but I was growing up in what at the time was kind of swampy, nothing, you know, farmland starting to turn into suburbia, um, pre-suburban Florida, and watched all that happen and just was, you know, kind of completely, you know, um, taken over by, by what was happening to that environment, how that environment was being, you know, completely overrun with, um, you know, kind of uh, what really you know, sometimes feels like wanton destruction of, of um, you know, highways and malls and such. And, and, um, and just uh, the, the contrast between what I really associated with place and, and, and how we had to carve that out and find ways to, to understand that in the suburban context. And somewhere along the line, I, you know, I just, the next thing that comes to mind is that I, I went to my local library in my tiny town and um, somehow stumbled upon the one shelf that was labeled architecture. And I really don't know what got me there. Maybe it was liking art and other things, but, and, and in my small town, if I remember correctly, there were three books <laughs> um, and one was about Frank Lloyd Wright. And, you know, that's kind of all you need. Um, and one was Our House to Bauhaus, which I probably didn't read yet, but later did. And um, another one was a, a compilation of, you know, the four masters with Meese and, you know, so it was just, you know, there were, there was, there was just, I, I couldn't believe what I was learning about and that this was a whole place you can spend time thinking and, and theorizing and understanding why the world looks like it does. And so um, I was completely hooked, um, you know, through the, the next years. Um, I, I went to a, a high school that actually had a, um, uh, it had some of us doing um, AP classes and some people doing shop. And there was actually an architecture program that was part of the vocational part of the school. And I did a two-year um, class um, with, with a, a, a architect teacher and, um, and, and learned how to draft. And, and actually, you know, that was supposed to let us go out in the world and become architects. It was really kind of that way of thinking about um, just like, you know, shop and engineering. And, you know, we were learning a skill and, 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 you know, just knew that that was something that I, I, I couldn't shake. I didn't really know. 
I had to kind of go around and find architects um, to find out what the hell that meant to be an architect <laughs> and and interview them and and just um, I was pretty aggressive about getting to know what that world was like um, and and then uh, kind of directed myself to a, a, a graduate program eventually and that's where um, when I was uh, at MIT in the 90s, my um, best friend uh, was the first employee of um, Dennis Wedlick, who had become my partner. And, um, and he was working every summer with Dennis. And Dennis, at the time, um, was still wrapping up his time at Philip Johnson's office. And, uh, you know, Paul was just enjoying himself so much. And so when we graduated, I, I moved to New York and moved in with my brother temporarily thinking I was, I, I actually had a stint with city planning um, in New York and in, in um, Europe actually before I went back to grad school. And I thought I was gonna go be a part of some big um, firm that did, you know, kind of urban scale, you know, work. I, I had a, a, a degree in, in sociology and urban studies and that, I was, that was the kind of place I thought I was heading and just parked myself at Dennis's office um, for what I thought was a short time so I could steal the color copier and work on my portfolio. <laughs> um, well, <did> you know. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Nothing's, nothing much has changed since then. That's, uh, that was all I, that's the last move I made. Um, Dennis and I hit it off. You know, we, we, uh, we had a, a, a fateful um, uh, uh, crash thanks to FedEx of a model that I had stayed up working on during that brief time. And I was the one who knew how to put it together. We were presenting to Gerald Hines down in Houston and, and it just was like, oh, I wasn't really doing anything. I'll get on a plane and go down and fix it for a couple nights and meet Gerald Hines. And on the plane on the way back, Dennis and I were like, well, let's do something here. <laughs> and um, so we kind of charted a course toward, toward a partnership and, uh, um, we partnered in about 2005, um, and the firm is, has pretty much stayed steady um, since then. And and getting back to the the core thing, it's like as we you know kind of um, moved, evolved, and and grew, um, not so much in in size, but just the kind of work we were doing. Um, you know, I was learning and and running projects, and eventually running the all of the, the, the studio of the projects and Dennis was having more time for um, what he now is completely doing, which is, you know, community organizing and, and, um, and, you know, kind of higher level thinking. Um, he's, he's now evolved chrysalis style into <laughs> someone who is able to, um, you know, really work on the part of our, our firm that has always been careful to think about not only community and the architecture community, but um, also the the rural community where we work, um, and and doing a lot of work uh, with the with our uh, multifamily affordable housing and and that end of what we do. So so we were facilitating that trajectory um, where he he would uh, be able to do do that kind of career 2.0 and and along the way um, you know the story where he was uh, one of the founding members of Cora. The, the Congress of Residential Architects, which is really the founding body that turned into um, custom residential architecture network, uh, 
you know, kind of getting AIA to actually recognize and create chapters, and and so we we have a role in in uh, the the work that we are still doing. While we don't have conferences, we still have great sessions. Uh, there's actually one tonight um, at the New York um, Cran Apple, we call it um, uh, New York chapter, which is very active, and and Dennis has been very um, active in, in helping get that uh, moving along. So you were you were founding members of. Cora, correct? Mm -hmm. What inspired Cora to happen? That is, you know, really just feeling like um, there's a lot of very interesting things that happen at the residential scale. Um, we do, I think it's maybe like 60-40 or something like that residential work, but we run ourselves like a residential firm. We, we relate to more individuals, even if it is a, a a corporation or an institutional body, it's we're interacting with them as if it was a family. And uh, we want to understand their wishes and we want to think about a place that they're making forever and we want to make it feel like a home for them. And so whether it's an institutional project or a commercial project or a residential project, we work all the same way. And, um, and that kind of practice, um, is is special and tended especially it felt back then to not really be getting the kind of support that it could have from be it conferences or you know rules that the AA was setting charging yep. us dues for and and you know giving us support uh about um there's just a, a a myriad of things that we felt were missing and so you know we really just um created it jeremiah eck and joe dickinson and and Dennis and and uh, a lot of help from you know Hanley Wood um, and Claire Conroy you know just uh, yep. creating um, uh, a community where we really looked forward to getting together and talking about how complicated it is to run a firm and and um, you know think about the type of work we do and the and the volatility of the type of work we do and gosh I mean you know there were there was a um, a conference called reinvention for maybe about 10 years yeah, that, I remember. that we used yeah. to look forward to. And, and I think a lot of our best thinking, we would take all of our associates every year and have our own kind of offsite sessions at that conference and then talk with other people like us. A lot of our same friends in our network today, or we made it those in that, in that realm and, and, um, and just really uh, dependent on each other to think things through and learn from each other and share stories with each other. It's, it's really been foundational for us. And, and at those conferences where we, you know, kind of were able to step back from moments like the, you know, Great Recession and say, what the hell are we going to do? And what, did every, what was everyone else saying? And, you know, and, and what, where were some of the alternative paths people were taking, taking them? And what can we learn from people who did that same thing back in previous recessions? And um, that was really the, the birth of, of such a pivotal moment for our firm in 2000 and, and seven, 2008, where we, you know, kind of doubled down on our, on our stance on sustainable architecture and said, let's, you know, let's focus on, on uh, keeping our firm alive through the recession and do a, a passive house um, that we were just learning what it was and, and how that could crystallize so much of what we were doing in our firm. Those kinds of uh, ideas came out of the, that community. Yeah. And, and that, that's exactly what I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, you're doubling down on sustainability and passive house and how that's affected your firm, both business-wise and the, the architecture that you do. I do remember 
that movement when Cora happened. It was very exciting um, as a young architect sort of experiencing that out there and, and, and seeing that response and, and the conference. And, and I'd like, you know, I, I, I didn't realize it until you and I are talking right here, but it, it had a major impact on me and it's absolutely influenced what I've done with Entree Architect. Oh, that great. It was I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm certain that that makes total sense. Yeah, From definitely an influence. It makes sense yeah. that you're kind of carrying this on in a way. If very course, much so, yeah. You'd be doing the Quora podcast, <laughs> Yeah, very, very much so, and and because uh, it was very inspiring, very needed, right? The, the residential community was essentially. I mean, you're not going to say it, but I'll say it. AIA was ignoring us, um, and and that was a big piece of what Quora was about. I mean, that there was a manifesto, and this is what we stand for and why we've organized. And it was very exciting. And and today with CRAN, it's really evolved into CRAN and has sort of come back to the AIA. Um, and CRAN is a, an excellent uh, organization as well. They really do great work nationally. And uh, as you said, locally, uh, there are chapters for CRAN and yeah. so uh, for custom residential architects. And um, so I just wanted to, to mention that, that it certainly has had an impact and an influence on, on uh, the community that we have here at Entree Architect. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I want to get, I want to get into sustainable architecture and, and how it, how it has affected and influenced the work at, uh, Barless Wedlick. Um, so you, you had just mentioned that it was was it specifically a response to the recession that that we're going to focus on this specific uh, type of architecture? What what was the what was the inspiration for sort of specializing in it? Um, I, I think it's really more the 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 space that was created. Um, I, I've I, I mentioned I I had a stint in city planning, and it was back when there was. Um, a recession in the early 90s and 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 you know graduated into a recession and been through a couple of these and and there is it's always such a wonderful moment where you know up until that point in new york it was the developers saying we're going to do this in new york city tapping them on the shoulder and saying well do you mind if you also put in a little park next to that while you're busy doing whatever you want to do on the city you know um and then the recessions happen and that's when all these amazing people who have all these amazing thoughts of how the world could be actually have time to say, well, why don't we do it this way? You know, there's not as much activity going on. There's not the drumbeat of make the dollar, serve the next thing, to keep going. You know, you just you get a chance to breathe, and and you know maybe that's this fortunate thing of they come around every seven years and we get a chance yeah. to re reevaluate. They're and a cycle for a reason. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we just like coming off of what we're doing right now with this pandemic this very really, much so. i mean as as we're starting to come out of it i'm really um you know i'm, I'm trying to say it positively but i'm kind of anxious <laughs> that we might lose some of these wonderful lessons that we've been able to to get out of this kind of thinking rethinking re-examining um, unearthing of things that that we took for granted and we didn't understand and we didn't understand the impact of and we didn't understand the you know the 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 involvement of all kinds of parties and supply chains and all these things that we really need to understand that it's just so clarifying these moments. And so, um, and we have to just really know how to not just get right back into business as usual, but learn these lessons. So we, we knew that, that, and having a, been a firm that's been around, you know, this long, we'd been through them before and we knew how to survive. We, 
you know, our office was around the corner from, you know, downtown New York in 9-11. Like we, we've had to deal with various ups and downs and we always find that it helps us grow into something better. And so I, I think we kind of felt prepared um, although it was a really devastating time yeah. that, um, you know, work just dropped to almost nothing for everybody. And we had an amazing group. We still have an amazing group. We always have, you know, been proud of, of having a great, pretty, you know, tight and small, but great group of people who are really dedicated, who all believe, um, in, in the, the tenets of what you talk about in your podcast, the, the idea that we are, you know, uh, bringing about great architecture, but we also have to think of this as, as a business. We have to be smart about how it works. We have to understand everybody, no matter how junior you are in our office, you have an understanding of, you know, um, the, the project management and the billing and the client relationships and all of these things, because, you know, that's what makes architecture great is if you can work with all of those uh, parameters and in, to, towards success. And, um, so, so we had a great group of people and we were not about to let them go. And, um, you know, we, we were on a, on a roll. I mean, it, the, the work we've been doing had always been informed by a, a desire to bring the best quality services and products and, and design to our clients. Um, and, um, in that needs to be, um, you know, uh, a sustainable, efficient, energy efficient, and and generally, um, you know, smart way of of building. And but but we really, um, I think the the early two thousands, late nineties was a, a was you know it'd be interesting to write that book of of how confusing it was to think about sustainable architecture successfully back then pre pre lead and then even with lead especially for residential architects lead for homes we all got lead accredited but it it wasn't the answer because right. it didn't really make sense for uh, you know most residential clients to pay for the paperwork and all of that and and it was really a a collection a checklist and not quite as successfully answering any one or few things that that a client could really find benefit from. Um, so so we spent years being frustrated, hiring consultants, thinking, having, and being lucky that we had great clients that were attracted to the fact that we cared about the environment and that we wanted to try to do. And we were kind of working in the vein of passive solar and reuse, you know, re, 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 you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, you know, anything that we we had been taught in school, Dennis and I, um, you know, that, that we thought we could make sense of. We um, were, you know, I'd say struggling with finding that we had uh, something that made sense that could be, you know, how do we do it again? How do we make it better? How do we, you know, it was like starting over every time and every client was was different and we did the best we could. We were very proud of the work, but, but this um, break gave us a chance to say what what's working, how do we make these things work? How do we really get to the bottom of, of what success can look like? And, and maybe most importantly, how do we get this to be something that not only are our clients excited about, but that we can be advocates for so that the market can get excited because we wanna not only just get lucky that we have some clients that call us and say, you know, as they still do sometimes, oh, I'm sure you'll sprinkle around that green stuff and maybe <laughs> geothermal or a green roof or a wind, wind 
power, you know, and that's great. You know, you start wherever you start and we'll talk about what's appropriate for your project. And maybe we will have a green roof. Maybe we will have solar power, but you know, there's a lot of things that, that, that when you open to it, clients want to learn about and, and care about and um, rely on us to be the guardians of what is great practices, which includes not making them compromise for what they want, you know, on budget or on, you know, scope of, of their, of, of the work or their wish list. We really, that's our job to, to get them great, uh, you know, energy efficient, sustainable work that shouldn't cost them more and shouldn't deter from their, their desires. Um, and that's a wonderful challenge and it's totally fun. So, so we, we wanted to figure out, you know, how to get better at that. <laughs> and we had the time because we didn't really, we, we, you know, we went down to a trickle of clients and luckily one of our clients um, was uh, Frank Siami who does some development work. Um, he's a contractor uh, extraordinaire in New York City um, and, and uh, as mostly known for, for institutional buildings of, of the highest quality, but um, also passionate about construction in general and passionate about um, thinking about uh, uh, residential, the, the question of, you know, the, you know, the, the famous $100,000 house question, you know, wh why aren't we better at serving the residential community from a construction point of view? And we had been working with him on a number of projects. And, and one of them was one we were still working on when we went to that um, reinvention conference in maybe it was 2008 in Austin, I think. Austin was a great place to be doing that kind of thinking. And, and we, you know, everything, I remember being on the phone, stepping out of the conference and being on the phone, you know, with their office and we were paused on the project that we were doing, which was a, a, the perfect project. You know, how do you do an efficient, in today's construction standards, how much prefab, how much on-site, you know, what's the best way to bring the best product to the most people? And that was just, you know, an ideal assignment and it paused and we said, well, this shouldn't pause. <laughs> this yeah. is the question that we need to ask now. And at the time we had just found out about passive and, and um, we had always been doing, we, we, we kind of were learning, you know, how do we do this? Um, Dennis took, I think the very second course that, that um, Passive House Institute US offered. Um, and, and I might've taken the, the sixth or something. Um, and, uh, you know, our whole office was taking the courses and, and we were understanding the, the principles of Passive House and we evaluated the design that we had done for that project and realized that a lot of the basic tenets that we were following about efficiency of material and efficiency of space and solar orientation and you know concentrating on um, the production of the the materials and and the efficiency of the, the materials in the envelope all of those things happen to be the same things that passive house was organizing for us and and uh, and and had you know codified in Germany in 1990 um, after really being born I I think uh, you know there's debate about that and, and interesting stories about that but really you know born in Many places, but really, you know, most of the roots that we understand were here in New England, in in the time that you know, certainly maybe not us, but our teachers were going to school in, you know, the '60s and '70s, um, uh, and 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 we're still around teaching us, um, you know, all of these amazing ideas, often at a residential scale. What is the best way to build? And all of those principles were 
kind of, you know, in formation through the 70s and 80s. And then it all vanished um, with the, you know, Reagan-Thatcher era and the removal of uh, the solar panels off of the White House, all that story. So, so we, you know, it found its way to being, um, you know, kind of systematized in, in Germany, thankfully, in a way that really could be, um, you know, depended upon and taught and, and shared and, and exported and then, you know, kind of um, brought here uh, in, in the early 2000s by um, Katrine Klingenberg and it with Passive House Institute US and and uh, and so we got in involved after um, we had heard about that in in uh, I think it was around 2006 it might have been in the New York Times and and so we were starting to kind of understand it but we used that pro project to really become a test case and a and a, a learning lab for us to to then say well what if this house had to meet the Passive House standard and. We were glad to know that most of what we were doing was in the right track, and 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 uh, that's been, you know, the the clarification of everything we've ever been working on, and and ever since everything we do is able to kind of follow a set of, it's not, you know, rules. It's 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 um, that we that we have. It's not prescriptive, but it's it's performance based that we are able to understand how to make our buildings better in in a, a way that also results in better air quality, better, you know, resilience of materials, you know, everything that we had been hoping that we could kind of put in one effort is is really um, also guided by what we do with, with passive. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. Now, you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. They're one of the world's best known firms. And when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twin Motion, a simple real-time ArcViz tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate them to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Marchetta says that the benefits of using Twin Motion for the designers are the simplicity of the interface, the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes, and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real-time usually brings, like light maps and PBR workflows or other technical details. Marco also loved Twinmotion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access the project from their web browsers without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you feedback anytime from anywhere, says Marco. To download a free trial today, visit our exclusive URL, twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. That's twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect to try Twinmotion for free. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to rcat.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. 
That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you could spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Passive House has given you sort of the, the codification of the sustainability that you've been working on all these years. Um, and so it's helped you internally, for sure. It's helped you sort of con- confirm of what you've been doing has been on the right track. It gives you sort of a structure on which to design future work. How much has Passive House helped you from a business point of view, from the external, from the marketing of your firm and how you communicate what you do to your clients? That's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, we, you know, this is, um, like I said, it was a formative moment for the way we think and work, but it also was a formative moment in the way that the, the outside world could understand what we were doing. And, and it's a little bit um, uh, purposefully blurry between what we were doing for um, the Passive House, well, for, you know, architecture in general and for the passive house community and the passive house movement you know this idea that there is a a a way of thinking about building that we want people to know about so there was there was um from the beginning a lot of intention on um what this could mean for uh everyone's practice but also for our own and um, I think what really, you know, the, the biggest thing that happened was because we had been doing, um, you know, uh, we've always had our, our practice has always been a wide range from, um, you know, affordable housing we're doing with Habitat for Humanity to, um, you know, gargantuan, you know, projects with huge budgets and everywhere in between, um, and a lot of mostly in between, um, that, you know, we, we uh, ha- had the um, ability and, and the fortune of the fact that that project that we did during the Great Recession was really not, um, you know, client driven. It was the sky's the limit to what can we try to do with this. Uh, people were getting together. The, the, the builder, Bill Stratton, um, you know, contributed. Uh, Siami contributed. We contributed. Lots of people wanted to come in and, you know, nobody was really doing anything. So lots of people wanted to, vendors wanted to contribute. So we were able to, between that and, and our um, 
you know, in-house interiors and, and, you know, the work that we, we usually do, um, we wanted to bring it all to bear. So we also, in addition to, you know, making it a great performing house, made it a, a great looking house and made, you know, it was, it was this kind of small prototype, but it really, you know, should be um, ready for uh, its close up and, and to get, you know, photographed and, and, uh, and seen by the world and, you know, um, you know, the same, uh, you know, wonderful um, photography that uh, Peter Aaron was doing for us for our, you know, big portfolios, he, you know, was doing for this house and, and it just really um, looked great, which is an important part of, yeah. of getting a message out and, and, and people in the community and Katrina have said as well, it was, it was a way of kind of having um, an icon that caught people's attention um, because, and this is what we, you know, we talk about this all through my, my class at City College is, is, you know, what is it about, what are the fundamentals of architecture and, and you know, how do we reckon, the, reckon with the fact that, you know, there still is um, a very image-driven culture of consuming architecture and yet there's a greater sensibility, especially among students of, of responsibility and, and, um, and, and actual uh, you know, um, uh, real effectiveness and productivity and, and sustainability and all these things that are, don't necessarily photograph as well. And how do we, you know, what do we do with that as designers? How do we take that as a design problem and solve it? And, and, and I think that project, um, which actually is almost looks kind of like an A-frame house, so we often, you know, kind of symbolizes to me like a, a fulcrum point. <laughs> yep. It was like, you know, that was a moment where, where you know, things still for us pivot on that iconic house that, that really spread around the world. We still get calls from people. Um, you know, we actually helped a, a client build a version of that house in, in England and, and uh, you know, Norway, there's different, you know, there's people around the world who fletched onto that house partly because of its powerful imagery. And um, so it, I think what it did for our firm and, and, um, and, and a way to kind of get attention for the kind of work we were doing, you know, uh, that, that was, a, was a big part. It had a, had a lot to do with what we, um, you know, how, how we could be seen. And also to your question, um, you know, really helped us kind of solidify uh, a way of talking about what we do um, and, and just, you know, say that we, you know, care about this. It, that's a, a, a little bit more complicated because it's not, we, not everybody needs to meet the passive house standard. So, um, you know, it, it's in the rules that it says it has to be, um, you know, it has to be op optimizable. It has to make sense from a budget point of view or from, you know, and so some projects might not make sense completely or, um, but, but, but that doesn't mean you can't use the principles and you can't be aiming for that level of, of um, uh, uh, that standard, but, um, but that it, it is part of what we care about, how we think about what good architecture is. And it's, so it still remains in service to this bigger point of we want to bring our clients, you know, the best work. So, so that being able to give that message more clearly to, to clients is, has been a huge um, uh, benefit as well. Yeah. You talk about that project as a turning point in your firm, sort of externally, people recognizing you now for that type of work. Your current projects that come to you, 
how much because you're very well known for well designed homes, right? That's that's a, a big piece of your brand. Um, the the clients that come to you today, how much of um, how much of when they're coming to you, how much are they coming to you for the design, and how much are they coming to you for the ability to be able to integrate that sustainability into that design, or is you're just doing it, or is the sustainability just built into everything that you're doing and people are coming to you because the design is there and they get the sustainability as a bonus? I'm, I'm happy to say it's it's hard to answer that. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it was it, hard to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I get, I get what you're saying. And, and I think I'm I'm glad that it's it's unclear and every you know every call every client every project is different, but um, I can say high level you know that that it's it's something that sometimes you 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 think one thing and it turns out to be another you know you I, I'm really happy you know to know and I don't I I sometimes never know whether it was that they understood. There are people that call us right. and don't even know what passive house is, which is increasingly happening, which is great. Or at least, um, you know, uh, I just got a wish list from a, a new client the other day, and it was like the first line was, um, you know, a, a super airtight envelope with, uh, you know, good insulation. And, yeah, and so check. That that's <laughs> that you you saw that that was something that we do. So you sh are showing me that that's on your mind, but they didn't even know that that was something that we did. And I'm just thrilled that that it's hard to know whether they're getting it from you know the fact that there there's more um, information out there in the world um, and, and or that it's just something that people are are more aware of uh, and expecting um, uh, or or whether they they learned about it after they found out about us or or some mix and a lot of times they don't even know it's oh I heard about it or did I hear right. about it after I met you or did I hear about it before I met you um, the important thing is that it's 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 happening. And so, yes, we we are thinking about, we, we can't think about building any other way. And a lot of the clients and builders and anybody who's kind of done this, this kind of work, um, you know, just, it becomes part of what they do. It's, it's really, it's, it's about craft and it's about, um, and it's about building. And, and, and so, you know, anybody who cares about that and, and, and uh, you know, once you start thinking, oh, well, that makes sense. We can we can achieve that level of um, you know energy efficiency and and just by you know kind of thinking some of these things through and it's still fundamentally. I mean that's we spent the first so we built that house in 2010 and we spent the the, the next five years kind of as I, I say you know kind of green eggs and ham like it can look like this it can look like that it can be for this budget it can be for that budget it can be it can be done um, you know on any site and any orientation and and any size and any any you know um so so we really needed and we and we were thrilled when we got and uh, maybe it was like 2015 or 16 or something we got on the cover of dwell for a house that was recognized for its interiors oh and it happens to be a passive house like that's yeah, that yeah. was a huge success of advocacy is is working and now it's not only about that it has to be that you know oh and it happens to be a passive house is is where we wanted to be. I'm, I'm, I'm 
concerned and my students remind me, you know, almost every year there's someone at some point who says, you know, are we going to get where we need to go at the rate we're going? Like, you know, how many have you done? And, you know, it's, just, but, but, you know, we have to believe that, um, that this is, that we're, we're pushing and, and there's some great, you know, there, thank God there's, there's tireless and creative people in the community who are thinking about all kinds of wonderful ways to get the word out there and to bring this to more projects and to bring this to more jurisdictions so it becomes ideally more integrated into um, into regulation or at least incentive. Um, you know, there's just so many avenues for, for growth that are starting to happen. You can see that every year in the Passive House community conferences um, and, and thank God for all the people who are 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 pushing on all those fronts, um, and you know, and we're doing you know the best we can. But but yes, it's great that that the word does get out there, and that we we do get people who either find us because of that, or or find us and then are happy to to have that as part of what they do. Um, and then you know, like I said before, it has to be appropriate, and so um, it, it's not always reaching that standard, but it's always part of the the thinking. Yeah. How much do you think the focus on design and the focus on your business being a successful business has given you the freedom to explore sustainability and do the things that you really feel is the right thing to do as an architect? Um, let me let me say that one more time. <laughs> well, your success, financial success, your business success, oh, okay. right? The focus of of making sure that your business is financially sustainable, mm -hmm. how does that give you the freedom to sort of do what you want, right? To find the clients that are willing to, to do what you want, but also to just, this is the way we design it. Take it or leave it, right? And not everybody has that flexibility because no, not everybody. Me, yeah, right? no, let me, let me correct that. We, we don't either. <laughs> we, you know, we, we are, um, the only thing that we're starting to mature into is being able to say that we want to work with people who are nice. <laughs> um, and and uh, but what yeah. gives you what gives you the freedom to be able to do that? That right there we do we have earned that. But we we but that's that's like the the first thing that we would grab on a list of of you know we I think we've we it's it's a, it's still a tough world and yeah. it's still um, you know uh, there there are. Um, there are there are some clients who who are actually concerned that that you know they want to make sure that you are not trying to serve you know to 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 your question like they would and I and I believe this is important regardless I mean even if even if we did have the kind of um, uh, ability to you know kind of pick and choose clients or pick and choose projects or worth or influence where projects we're going to go. We, first of all, we don't believe that that's what architecture should be is it's gotta be a collaboration with a client for a client. It's gotta, it's gotta make sense for that client, for that site. It's that, and we love that challenge of making great architecture for those, for, for those clients and, and for those sites. It's not about our own, um, vision, which you can tell from our work is, is pretty varied. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's helping, you know, find the right, um, you know, beautiful, timeless thing that makes sense in that place and time. Um, but we, but we have um, a, uh, but, but we still, you know, we have some people who, who say, you know, uh, that, you know, they wouldn't want to think that we might be 
serving a, a different master and saying, well, you know, this has to become passive. And in fact, maybe I've started to get some more of those calls recently where someone's like, okay, well, you know, um, are you interested if this house is not yeah. going to hit those performances? And and so, you know, we we want to work with people who want to work with us. And we want to, we love that challenge of finding the right answer for that project. And we want to make sure that they understand that what we will end up doing with them on the spectrum of, of, of you know, energy efficiency or, or general sustainable measures is something that they buy into and make, and it makes sense for them. Um, so, you know, we can't, we, we, we don't say, um, we, 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 you know, I don't think we would, you know, I, I don't think we're even aiming for being able to, you know, kind of um, de decide what what we are working on. Um, we we just like we're, we're lucky that we get you know great people who are calling us who found us, um, you know, uh, and and who um, who are open to talking about what is best for them. And maybe there's something going on. We've always been suspicious that there's something going on you know, out in there in that world before people make the call <laughs> to you where they're censoring themselves, where they're, you know, deciding not to call us because maybe they suspect that we might be right. trying to, to um, uh, you know, be green or something like that. But, but, um, but we, we, we still work on, on, um, you know, just a, a wide range of projects that, that, you know, might, it might not come up much at all. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's in in service to giving the best products to those clients. That's um, it's not that we're, we'll still work on it and we'll still we'll still make those houses you know do much better than code at least you know and and but um, you know also we we do want that we do believe in that for for the the future of the planet and and luckily enough clients um, you know wouldn't reject that notion. Um, and I guess maybe they censor themselves before they call us if, if they would reject that notion. Um, Alan, we, we're talking to thousands of small firm architects, many of them running their own small businesses. What would you say is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, well, you know, I think that the the bigger level lesson that, that we could take away from what we've done that's been successful is um, really, you know, focusing on, on your passion and focusing on what is, um, you know, authentic for you, what you care about, what you really want to be able to bring to your clients, what you enjoy doing, um, and and uh, the more you stick to that, the more you you know get what feels like lucky <laughs> that people <laughs> will call you to do that kind of work, and then you do more of that work, and then you do more of that work. And everybody's got different interests, you know. Everybody's got some angle, even within the sustainable design world. There's different angles of what people care about, um, and if you really in, you know, take time to understand what what makes you excited and what really drives you to to you know get up and and 
these days sit on Zoom all day <laughs> and get through and, and just feel, you know, just um, challenged and excited and curious about what you're doing and what could be next and what other things there are and, and really go through. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful privilege, but I think it's part of, it's, it's a lot of what um, a lot of people get into architecture for. You can't not do it. You know, if you're in love with it, you, you, you can't not do this. Um, you know, I was supposed to be a doctor and I, I signed up for the MCAT, but I just didn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't not do this, um, you know, and, and, and um, so if you, if there's something about this that you care about um, and you stick to it and you want to focus on it, um, you know, that's going to lay it all out for you. That's yeah. going to lay out what you do with your, your, your firm and the people you hire and the people you work with and the consultants and the relationships you have. And, and it just, you know, it, you find other people, you know, that are, are like-minded and it's your community. Um, so uh, that, that's, I don't know if that's a too general. <laughs> no, no, that's very good advice. I mean, especially seeing that very, in the very beginning of our conversation, you were talking about how at that moment you doubled down on your passion for sustainability, that this is what we're going to be known for. Um, and that's what has brought you to where you are today. And so I think that's a very good advice that if there is something that interests you and that you are passionate about it, um, consider double downing on it. And, and dub, double downing, is that the right word? Doubling <laughs> down on it and, uh, and, and making it what you do, right? Because not only will it, you'll feed your passion um, it will allow you to to create a, a you know a practice built around it, um, but it will also differentiate you and it will help mm -hmm. you from a business point of view. And so that's that's excellent advice. His name is Alan Barless. Uh, Barless Wedlick is the uh, firm, and it's BarlessWedlick.com is the website. We'll have um, that link on the show notes. Also check out their Instagram at Barless Wedlick. Um, We'll also have links to uh, to Cran and all the other things we talked about on the show notes. Um, Alan, thank you very much for coming on Entree Architect podcast today and sharing your story, sharing your knowledge. Uh, it's an inspiration. I appreciate you and everything you guys are doing over there. Thank you, Mark. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for, for doing this. If you like this episode of Entree Architect podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. And thank you to RCAT, FreshBooks, and Twinmotion for their support of this podcast. Entre Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, business training that is, a supportive architect community. Yep, it's there. And Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects just like you. It's in there for you at Entree Architect Academy. It's waiting for you right there at the membership. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today.
Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.